you've tuned into a show called Mr and Mrs Binge Watch and you were expecting a spoiler free episode so there are many many spoilers on this episode kripya dhyan dijiye This is Mr and Mrs Binge Watch and today Janice and I are going to be talking about the Netflix hit You because it's something that we recently caught in fact on the Christmas New Year weekend. Uh if you caught our first episode of the New Year where we spoke about the morning show we also spoke about the fact that our TV viewing habits have taken a hit lately and we've pretty much been binge watching friends among all other stuff and of course we caught up on the morning show which we'd stopped watching but you is of course a show i remember in fact even last year had re- had released during the christmas weekend yeah and while every other thing that was happening in janice and our lives for example cousins getting married getting engaged christmas travel weekend getaways with family we got two days off during that entire christmas new year week and we knew that you know that those two days were going to be dedicated to you yeah which was like a pleasant surprise because i don't even think we expected the show to be so guilty pleasure binge watching right i mean okay first of all i also have to say that uh, given the fact that we love you as much as we do and that it's one of our guilty pleasures do you feel like a little strange about the fact that we're constantly rooting for this uh, stalker character and have you had strange conversations no, with I, your friends I, about you i got over that in the first season itself i mean right now the point is that so when the first season came out for example i ah. remember watching the trailer of the show and thinking hey i mean this is going to be problematic in some way or the other but the moment i watched the first season forget the new one uh and i realized immediately that essentially the beauty of the show is that a the person narrating the story is a stalker himself yeah. right so he's a very unre- amazingly by pen badgley by of pen course. badgley and he is an extremely unreliable narrator and he is clearly um I mean the beauty of it is that because he's the one talking about his innermost feelings you also realize how misled he is in his own mind where he does not see it as talking he sees it as romance he sees it yeah. as love so while that makes it creepier because he could be standing outside a a woman's house and and peeping at staring at her through the window while she changes her clothes but the voice over is talking about how he is like head over heels In, in love, love with, with her. her and how their kids are going to look how their kids are going to look and it's amazing because his conversations are not about like he's not like a sexual deviant for example he's not even a serial killer kind of a guy who'll fall in love with a woman kill her and then move to the next one yeah he's just a really twisted guy and they use a lot of humor and wit to explain his point of view to audiences and i really feel that the thing that i love most about you is it's narrative device which is the voice over because there is so much of that every episode and it's a very difficult trick to pull off season after season you know it's okay to do it in one episode where a character takes over and gives you a little bit of a back story or a history of a certain thing here you have a guy who's talking to the audience across eight episodes mm. and you need to ensure that the writing and the dialogues remain uh you know keep keep delivering which yeah, i think yeah, the show which- does And the thing is, for me also, you know, you cast. I mean, we've spoken about this before that you cast someone like Pen Badgley, yeah. and you know, given the fact that if you guys have been listening to this show long enough, you know, Anirudh and I love Gossip Girl, and so Dan well, from speak for yourself. You don't I mean, love Gossip Girl. I mean, I I did What? like it at one point of this time. This is a big dhoka. You're making it. Like... You're making it sound like we have a poster of Gossip Girl in our. No, but I mean, like we love the show. Yeah, I mean, I sure. mean, it's one of the shows that we watched the while we were growing up. 
Yeah. Well, only first season. The first couple of this seasons. This is such a first couple face of seasons. You're doing on the Janice show right now. I stopped watching it from the third season onwards. So you don't know who Gossip Girl is. You don't know. Of who's course, the... I know because I. I mean, come on, that's not the same as watching it all through. How do you know if you didn't go till the last? Because season? you were seeing it till the end, and I asked you. I mean, this is such shit. Listen. Anyway, this argument we shall park for later. But, but also, interesting point... the point that you've raised. I just want. I'm just wondering this. Huh. If we, do audiences really know who Gossip Girl is? Yes. I'm asking you. I mean, I'm not say I'm not revealing who Gossip okay, Girl fine. is. So you, play- you can still go through all the damn seasons and you know okay. persevere like so the rest I, of us. I did. was just checking, so we won't uh, we won't spoil it for you. But I'm saying you take Goody Two Shoes Dan from that show. Actually, is he really Goody Two Shoes now? Inside, <laughs> even on that show, I don't know. Yeah. But you take Goody Two Shoes Dan Meta from that joke, show. Janice. Yeah, very right. And then you cast him on a show like you. I also love the way that they use his own whole physicality. Like he looks like such a good boy, and they dress him up as such a regular Joe. So even when you see him, like he's the kind of guy you come across in the you know. You think that's why he's called Joe on the show? Yeah, because he's supposed to be a regular Joe. Actually, now that we've said it, now I feel like we've totally cracked it. Like he's a regular Joe, and so they called him Joe. Yeah, on this season he's called Will, no? Yeah, again another regular Joe name. <laughs> if you think about it, but yeah, you're right about it because I think Ben uh, Ben Badgley is great casting. Uh, of course, a lot of this we discussed. I mean, not on on our show, but I mean, we spoke about even when season one came out, which yeah. is that Ben Badgley is just such great casting because he's this boy next door, cute. Uh, you so know, I'm assuming you see, he seems like the guy like he's if he was very my vulnerable neighbor, looking. I would be like you know I need your help all the yeah, time. Yeah, because yeah. Come repair my fridge. Come help me with yeah, my grocery yeah, yeah. shopping. And then that same guy then is actually a twisted, deranged stalker yeah. who if he falls in love with you, oh my God, God help you. But the thing is about this season. So well, let's let's talk a little bit about where this season starts. Right, this season starts with Joe. Ben Badgley's character having to move to LA, a place he absolutely despises because he thinks it's fake in every possible way, and he's moved here because his girlfriend, who he tried to kill in season one, no, not Elizabeth, not Guinevere. We are talking about Candice. You remember Candice from season one? He tried to almost bury her alive. Well, it turns out she's alive, and she's now stalking him and trying to get revenge. So it's kind of like a stalker getting stalked and a stalker having to run all the way to yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah. And over here, of course, you know he's he's decided. So his entire initial, you know, voiceover is all about how he's not going to fall in love he's going to be completely anonymous he's going to get like a nondescript job and just be you know played low key until he can sort of resurface and figure out what to do with his life mm-hmm. but then of course he sees love yeah. and then in true you fashion, in fashion love happens yeah also i know i wondered how they can reboot a show like you because if you see season 1 of the show it's pretty well contained mm-hmm. uh because i mean it's it's not like like i said earlier uh, like it happens in a lot of shows which have creepy protagonists or you know sort of morally questionable protagonists like say who have compulsive disorders uh, maybe somebody like a dexter where dexter would have a villain of the season kind of a guy but then dexter also had that need to go after a kill every episode the thing about you is oh, that oh you mean like uh, shahrukh khan in dar who would call up give miss calls and say kiran yeah but but this guy is like the closest that's the closest yeah, analogy you can that, find true. to you if, uh, uh, really um and the thing is that uh, i like the fact that they managed to keep that one obsession going through season 1 mm. without it ever seeming dull or boring or it dipping and i wondered how they would repeat that formula in season 2 but i think what the writers have done beautifully as is, is that they've used 
everything they've set up in season 1 to their advantage yeah yeah so now when history is repeating itself it's not just dark it's also funny because when the first time you saw it you were thinking all of it is really creepy but now when he looks at a girl and says hello there and yeah, you're like yeah, oh yeah, damn like, it's going to happen again and it's also feels like an in joke for all of us yeah, who love the show right completely. it's like abhi iska shuru ho gaya so his voice overs have hence gained uh, has hence gained greater importance yeah. because now his inner ramblings and his inner workings are something that the audience is familiar with hmm. so you're in on it You know, it's almost like it's all very meta. It's yeah. like again, I'm falling in Which love with this girl. Which also makes me wonder, like you know, is there like a perv inside all of us where we're rooting for a character like this? And when he says hello there, and we know that his creepiness is about to yeah, begin, yeah, it's like let's. We're like, arey, you're starting. This is the best part of the show. Yeah, now let's begin. Like also because throughout the show, you know, he's killing people, he's endangering people's lives, he's doing all kinds of crazy shit, and you're constantly just hoping to for him to not get caught. No, but see, because another, that's how loyal I, I feel. Another like, thing I love about. Uh, Uh, his character is that even though he ends up killing people he has a complete justification for why he is doing it as well yeah as and do all killers and no no i, I meant mean, like we watched mind hunter two seasons of mind hunter now we no, know no i meant as an extension of his character which yeah. is that everything he does he has a justification he believes he is right in doing it is that uh, his monologue is co- is constantly uh, letting you know that he actually does not want to do a certain thing but he's forced to do it it's almost like you know the world has forced me to do it you know this guy i don't so, want to fall so in love a, with you love when a character does something really stupid in his presence you're like okay maravi so he's he's asked for it himself so uh, i think i think they've done a really fa- fabulous job of creating a character and like you said pen basdi just plays it so well and i you know i kept thinking about it while i was watching season 2 that it's you know it is such a marvelous performance because while he does the whole creepy bit the romantic bit and all of that really well what he really does well is that he's constantly slipping in and out of being this normal guy yeah. to the world and a slightly deranged guy by himself and i'm saying that's not an easy switch and the deranged guy almost never comes out on the show if you look at it it's only when he's pushed to an extreme moment that you suddenly see that oh this is the real joe the good sweet happy helpful neighbor the lover boy is not really who he is right i mean we know it because of his voice over but i'm talking about in terms of a physical transformation it only comes to life when he's actually pushed to kill someone yeah, or yeah. to murder or to you know do something crazy or evil but the other character of course that we have to talk about who makes this season so much more fabulous is love played by victoria pedretti i mean she's a rich girl that he falls in love with right and i think somewhere in the in the middle of the first episode from the time you meet her you feel like she's just too perfect to be true she's rich she's a great baker she's kind she's generous she's funny she's pretty but there's still something that's slightly unhinged about her and you can't put your finger on it right till the very end of the season you know if you take out all the voice overs and you're watching it it's almost like if you're watching it on mute huh. you would mistake you to be a mushy romantic show <laughs> because the way they build up the scenes people. between the the him and the and the women are so nicely done like what you said his first interaction with love hmm. is just fantastic because it's like two people who meet and there is instant chemistry and now you're invested in their yeah in yeah. their love story and essentially so what happens for people who don't really know what the new season is about is that he basically meets this girl called love and love has this 
slightly crazy deranged brother called Forty, uh, and uh, and, and this is said Forty Quinn, and it's essentially said in. They have such weird names, by the way. They've given him. Joe and Will, and then all the other characters are like because they're in LA. Love Quinn, forty Quinn. Yeah, nothing. See, yeah, nothing's on the surface. Everything is pretty much on the chin on the show. <laughs> uh, and the thing is that also the show is set in Hollywood, so there's a lot of that. So forty, for example, is a really rich guy who thinks he's like this, the next Tarantino. So he's trying really hard to push his script. Uh, and Will, who's now fallen in love with his sister. Has to now get go along with that entire. I will help you pitch your script See, to studios. But this is the only weak thing that I found in this entire season because uh, Will at the end of the at the end of the day is this guy who's working in a bookshop, and who no one knows anything much about. So. I don't understand where the writers took that liberty. I mean, eventually, through by the end of the season, you're like, fine, you know, okay, fine. He's yeah, a but genius. you've shown that he's a smooth talker. Yeah, he's right? a smooth talker. He's obviously well read. But I'm asking you, if you met a really like you, you're a writer, right? And you also write scripts. You come up with fiction. If you met a really smooth talker in a bookshop, because just because he was really well read, would you sort of suddenly start collaborating? No, with but him that's to write the, the wrong analogy. I'm saying the forty character is shown to be a little cuckoo. Of course, and so the, which the, is why the, it works the way for the us. events unfold is that he falls in love with with love, <laughs> and uh, and Forty is the brother, and then of course Forty in his in trying to get to know Joe realizes that he has a real knack. Uh, you know, it, towards script writing because you know he keeps giving him suggestions like Which tweak work, this yeah, yeah. in your third act and this will work better. So that's how that relationship builds. Uh, and there is an extra strand that has been added this season, uh, which has to do with his neighbors, which are these two sisters. Um, who are and and what is nice about this track is that now you see his empathetic side as well, hmm. because Joe is a very fascinating character because for him, even when he does something terrible. His justification is that he's trying to protect the woman, right? So what we have always seen him do is be in love with women, trying to protect them and damaging the entire situation. Here, what happens is that in season two, you have the character of love who he is romantically, and you know with. that's going to end in disaster. And you have the two female neighbors where there is no romance; it's completely platonic, and he's still as protective about them. Hmm. So you know, it gives him that one extra layer, and for audiences, you get to see him. In a relationship that is not sexual or you know romantic in 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 any way. But that's also because I think this is the season where they've also sort of done all these flashbacks about Will's childhood, yeah. about Joe's childhood. Yeah, so we childhood. know a little bit more about yeah. who the character is. And you is. know that he comes from a broken home. He comes from an abusive home, and he comes from a home where his entire aim throughout his childhood was to protect his mother. So obviously they're trying to play on that. That even in adulthood, that's the man he's grown up to be: deranged, abusive, stalker, but also protective of women. That's Wah. also classic tv tv trope you know either you explain it like for example when you like uh, you know we keep going back to dexter in fact they refer to dexter on yeah, the show yeah at one point because i remember i kept telling you yeah this is turning into dexter and then he just turns around and and he tells the audience what do you think this is dexter uh, which is i <laughs> mean very, i love very how self aware yeah. the show is but uh, but i like the fact like like on dexter you know they spent a lot of time in audience understanding why dexter became the way he was right so there was always that ghost of a father who would always you know be you know speaking into his ears reminding him of his early years and you saw his you remember him being that kid who was found in a pool of blood a uh, pool of his mother's blood and you remember that dexter basically had a really 
damaged childhood which is what made him the way he is currently so on full dexter uh, full dis dexter full disclosure i have actually not watched dexter yeah but dexter is great fun by <laughs> the way thanks by the way i think you just ruined a part no, no, of the no, show for me the, no this is because his back story this okay. is in the first episode of the show okay. you see you you know it begins with okay well i'll tell you the dexter <laughs> plot after we leave the studio this is like the last time anyone would start talking about something as i talk about die hard ka plot okay <laughs> Yeah, but Dexter. Now I'll I'll take this on as a challenge, and we'll do it later. But I'm saying that on you on a show like you now, what has happened is that a lot of writers who are breaking out of that old style of TV writing, and Dexter is almost a decade old, will not necessarily give backstories and explanations to characters because you know now the whole point is that. We watch enough of these shows to know where they are coming from. Why give a justification? And it will more or lessly be one of the two, three things only. Na either abusive, broken, or sexual yeah, abuse. Yeah, yeah. So we know what you know what the options are. So what they did in season one was they completely steered clear of it, and now of course they realize that they can't continue doing that because now if you're building a show and a character for a sort of three, four, five season arc, it makes sense also because if there is any. part of the audience that is wondering that why the hell is he so weird so i feel that season 2 has these multiple strands which are unfolding personally i don't believe that season 2 is a better season than season 1 in the sense that i don't think the writing is as good there are too many plot contrivances yeah. there are too many easy ins and outs yet it is more fun <laughs> you know i don't know there's no way to explain no, it no i think it's more fun because now we know who this guy is yeah. in season 1 i mean let's be honest i remember having this conversation with friends after really enjoying season 1 saying that listen you must go watch you and you know the reaction was also a little bit like but isn't it a stalker show isn't that so inappropriate given the current environment and to me you know for a moment i did actually sort of sit back and go like you know is there something wrong with me that i'm going around promoting a stalker show because there's nothing redeemable about Ben Badgley's character on the show. At the end of the day, if you look at him, if you met that guy or you read about him in the newspaper, you'd be like creep. You'd not be rooting for him, right? Yeah. But I think the difference is that I mean, of course, a the conversation with the friend is like, hello. If I'm going to look at all content with that prism, then I'm not going to enjoy half the content out there. But also with No, but whole, I also think it's no, self-aware. Yeah. I don't think that they are using it irresponsibly. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say is that now it's more fun because now you've accepted the fact you've accepted this guy for who he is. It's like with Dexter also, right? I'm guessing that's what happens. I've not watched Dexter. Yeah, yeah. My God, Dexter no, fans, sure. please don't say that you don't know shit. Don't talk your, don't open your mouth. But I'm just saying you are rooting for the character because you have accepted him with his kinks. with his weirdness with the fact that he's absolutely going to go and murder whoever he falls in love with yeah also because i feel intent is very important right so uh, i don't see the intent of the writers to be one that promotes stalking for example hmm. so you see what kind of an empty life he has how deranged he is or the fact that he's not really capable of building real relationships right so it's not like he is this really charming dude who just gets away and uh, with anything he also has he loses a lot on the show he loses his identity he has to run away he loses new york city after yeah. season 1 yeah. so there are ramifications for his actions no but just to come back to those childhood flashbacks i actually again that was another weak point for me because i'm like you've already by season 2 by especially cuz they didn't do it from the beginning of season of season 2 right they start doing it somewhere along the middle and you already know the character enough by then to know that clearly there's something traumatic that's happened in his childhood or people have abandoned him which is why he is the way he is i felt like those were very unnecessary they were i agree with you but i think uh, they were doing it with the purpose of the fact that they also delved into loves 
back story. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they found a way to connect the two. Yeah, basically, they come from damaged homes. Yeah, so that, I think that was the bigger, uh, you know, idea behind doing that. But, you know, we always talk about how much of a potential does a show have to run. Like, mm. for example, in our last episode, we spoke about Morning Show. Which, which could had run an, for many, many Which seasons. had an average season, but if they get their act together, it could probably be a six, seven episode show. Whereas You is a story that is very, you know, it's just got that single character who you're following. It doesn't have a big ensemble. Uh, and I, like I said, I didn't even think that, I thought that even a single season would be great. But how long do you think a show like that could run? So what you thought of season one, I thought of season two. I was quite certain that they're going to wrap up the show or sort of give it some sort of uh, an ending by the end of season two. Because this is not a show, like I don't want to watch this character over seven seasons stalking seven different women and giving us seven different stories. I feel like it can't... It will get monotonous. But I and how many times will they repeat the same tropes? I mean, what could you do with this character other than him? I mean, he has to die at some point, right? Someone has to catch up. The law has to catch up with him or the women that he's damaged or the, you know, families he's broken up. Something has to catch up with him, right? Yeah, so I mean, let's see how long we can he can write it. See, I, I mean, love how they've ended season two because both interesting twist here. Like, it's a great, superb, great twist. Superb. But I feel like at the end of season 3, the show has to wrap up. Let's see. Let's see where it goes. Uh, I think I think what happens also is that a show like you comes out of nowhere. So the expectations attached to it are already very low. And then it breaks out the way that it does. Yeah. And then it takes on an entirely different life of its own, right? So now it's almost like they are going from season to season. Till they keep hitting it out of the park and the reviews are high and if it turns into one of their most watched shows then Netflix I mean, will stranger, be like come on come stranger on stranger things is more. the best example yeah Yeah. I mean how many strange things can keep happening in, in Hawkins in the same f***ing place but they make it ha- but the thing is that it's once not, it's that one thing only that keeps coming back every season but that's season. what I'm saying so once it becomes popular the way it does then I mean that's what the skill in TV writing lies right how do you make it Keep coming back with the same, you know, same elements. Yeah. But at the same time, keep it fresh. Okay, let's go into our scene stealer of the week. Anirudh, who did you think was the scene stealer on the show? For me, it's still Penn Badgley. Uh, because, uh, because I think that while this season throws up so much... So many more interesting characters in season one. Forty is one such guy. Of course, Victoria Pedretti is excellent. Also, by the way, I was checking her filmography, and she has just four credits, and they are all amazing. So she did. She played Lulu on one in Once Upon a Time yeah, in Hollywood. Hollywood. She has only one film credit, and it's in a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> film, which will possibly win a couple of Oscars the next month. Yeah. Uh, her first show was The House on Haunted Hill which is again another really popular show on Netflix. Her second show was You Season 2 and now they're bringing back on the House of Haunted Hill sequel. So she basically now has two Netflix shows and a Tarantino film. I think that's like a great filmography filmography. for a young actor with like less than three years work experience to have. Which is why she is my scene stealer because I feel like I already love Pan Badgley, but this the second season really works because of Victoria Pedretti. I mean, she, you know, to know from the very beginning for any actor that your character is going to switch and have a massive twist at the end from the first episode and yet to play it so straight. Yeah. But, you know, to still give us the feeling that there's something not fully 100% right with me. Yeah. Something is wrong with me. I'm a little too passionate. I'm a little too obsessive. I'm a little too kind. Yeah. 
So all of that. No, she's really good, and she's got this enigmatic uh, skin presence. And of course, we have to talk about her similarity <laughs> to Hillary. So Duff. I kept telling Anirudh while we were watching the show that dude, she looks a little too much like Hillary Duff, and her husband, like Penn Badgley and Victoria Pedretti, together look a little bit too much like Vic, uh, what's her name, Hillary, Hillary Duff, Duff, and her husband. And he didn't believe me. And then you know, someone else made the observation on the internet. Yeah, and now right and now pictures, <laughs> pictures. Pictures have just gone viral of uh, basically Hillary Duff with her husband on vacation, and you literally cannot tell if it's really them. It's like a scene from you, or, or is it them on vacation? And Joe, and it, that's just like a really creepy thing uh, to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, while I agree with you, I think Victoria Pedretti is a great actor, and I really loved her portrayal of Love Queen. Ben Badgley, I thought. I mean, when I was watching the show, I kept, I keep marveling about. How nuanced his performance is! I think it's also a very underrated performance. I also want to do a shout out to his costume, like costume person, because again, the way they dress him is so crucial. Yeah, like you know, little even if you go a little bit it's flashy, like he'll blend into a room. Yeah, he'll blend against the wall. He is literally your average Joe, who's like actually much cuter than an average Joe, but he is literally dressed like an average. No, Joe. I also think his performance is very underrated because he, uh, ha- he plays it so subtly. But then he also has those meltdown moments, mm. and he just does both of them really, really well. But which is your wow moment of the show? You know, because we've been talking so much about the voiceover and how much we love the voiceover, and the guy who writes the voiceover must have so much pressure on him. I know where him. you're going. Yeah, so I feel like the wow moment for me on this season was when they finally allow Love Quinn, that's Victoria Pedretti's voiceover, to take over from Joe's. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa! And that was a, that was an actual wow moment. Yeah, because you probably said wow. While watching it, <laughs> yeah. because I also think that reminded me of that uh, moment in House of Cards, where after three seasons of watching Frank Underwood break the fourth wall and speak to the audience, I remember there was that final moment at the end of season three where they are both sitting in the room and then. Claire Underwood just suddenly looks at the audience and she breaks the fourth wall and you You're go like, like Whoa, oh, what just wow. happened? And I think they did it. And I am quite certain that that's where they were coming from. Like, <laughs> I mean, they must have been a little... So you think in season three, there'll be a moment where Victoria Pedretti will be like, what do you think this is? House of Cards. Because she's no, now talking because to... like a Dexter yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> quite possible. Why not? But uh, but yeah, that was a really great moment because I mean, for especially when you're watching a show. See, actually, unlike House of Cards, where he broke the fourth wall once in a while, this is a show that is entirely him talking to the audience. You mean like how they overdid it on the final season where she only spoke to the camera yeah. and not to other characters yeah, on the like show? They, it's like because there's no Kevin Spacey <laughs> and there's nothing else happening. She's just breaking the fourth wall. Again Everyone else has either been killed off the show or is no longer important. Yeah. But 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 again, it it's almost like again you haven't watched Dexter. But I'm saying for Dexter audiences, if anybody apart from Michael C. Hall would have spoken to on that voiceover format, it would have been like a real Whoa. great moment. So that was the wow moment, and my producer just told me that the Netflix show that I said Victoria Pedretti is in, which I said was. The Was house in? on the haunted, haunted hill is actually called the haunting of hill house. Wow, that's quite a <laughs> mouthful. I was quite sure I was going to mess that up again. Uh, but yeah, that so was. So she was on it, and now she will be in. Will it. be on She's it. She's not as currently far. in it. Currently on air, kuch nahi hai wo. And of course, let's talk about our binge meter. What's what? Where is you on our binge meter? Uh, I would say, uh, given that we watched it over two days during the New Year weekend. 
uh, which is also which the, was a really hectic time in our lives, guys. I would say it's very similar to a uh, to a pepperoni pizza. Also, yeah. because I remember eating a lot of pepperoni pizza <laughs> while watching the show over that two yeah. day weekend. Those but of you live in Bombay, if you know where Andheri is, you should order from Joey's Pizza, pepperoni pizza, or even their sausage pizza. So you is like our sausage come spicy pepperoni. chicken keema at Joey's is yeah. the best one. No, but not really. It's too spicy. But it's uh, called spicy keema. <laughs> but uh, but I mean I I think. I think the reason I'm saying that is because good or bad and I mean it may not be the perfect season but one thing that you is that it's an extremely binge worthy show. Yeah. You know every episode ends on a hook that makes you want to switch to the next one. So even if you're really irritated and frustrated with where the story is going you want to see it to the end and I think there is a craft even in just making you want to get to the end. Just like you do with the pepperoni pizza, so, so I think. So order a big fat pepperoni pizza, but you will finish it way before the show ends because well, it only takes ten minutes to eat a pepperoni pizza. I don't know where I'm going with this one, but if you enjoyed this podcast, you can listen to several other podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or on ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media handles. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you want to send in your feedback, questions, observations, rants to Guha. And me, well, I am at Janasek eighty five on Twitter and Instagram, and Anirudh is at Ani Guha on Twitter and Instagram. And guys, the Oscars are around the corner, so tune in uh, in in future weeks because Janasek and I will be bringing some Oscar buzz to yeah, our we'll, show. Yeah, we'll we'll stop watching Friends, guys. We'll 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 start watching real content again because we do this show. Okay, thank you. All right, all bye. right. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye.